Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Deal with Dee and Denise. Denise is celebrating her grandson's wedding, so she won't be with us today, but she sends her love to our listeners and is looking forward to being back with us next week. Before we kick off the show, I want to send a big congratulations to Ivante and Ketsia. We have two very extra special guests with us this week who are going to bring some real excitement to this episode. First off, I'd like to introduce you to my amazing mother, Andrea Roberta. But stay tuned to meet our other surprise guests in a moment. For now, say hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> All right, listeners. After we give you the deal with the House Republican Conference, we'll wrap up today's episode with some new, cool, really fun segments where you'll find my mom in the hot seat. Well, let's get started. Mom, give us the deal. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to take a look at the new House Speaker, those who went against their own word to elect him, and the implications that holds for the future. We'll start today's deal with the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And to give us the lowdown, we have straight from England, Lord Samuel Charles Taylor, sports announcer. Hello, hello, hello. Absolute pleasure to be with you all today. I have the esteemed task of giving you the rundown. Woohoo! So let's begin. <laughs> The race to 217 votes was a high-stakes game of musical chairs, where missing just a handful of seats could mean the end. Third-round draft pick, Republican rep from Ohio, O.H. That's right, Mr. Jim Jordan. Yes, that's the guy who's been called a legislative terrorist by his own party. He stepped up to the plate this last week, but after an embarrassing three rounds, Jordan's dream of being speaker came and went. Shock. Despite death threats from his crazed fans levied against his opponents, Jim Jordan was ultimately unable to lead his team to victory. After striking out three times, yes, three times, his team lost faith in his abilities, officially benching Jordan in a closed-door team meeting last week. But even though Jordan may not have walked away with the game-winning title of speaker, he did walk away with another title. Jim Jordan, first and only player to ever get less than 200 votes. <laughs> and the best thing is, he did it twice. <laughs> the Republican team faced major setback after a series of painful losses and no clear pathway to victory. But desperate times call for desperate measures. Following major failures from their starting line, including a ball drop by House Majority Whip Tom Emmer, Republicans had to dig deep into their bench and call up fifth-string option, a minor league player. Minor league Mike Johnson, a man whose name seems intentionally hard to Google, believe me, I've tried, made his debut into the political big leagues after stepping up to the plate on Wednesday, October 25th. But could he do it? Could he be the one to secure enough votes, or was this just another act in the GOP circus? After nearly a month of uncertainty, Johnson's debut in the big leagues secured unanimous support for his Republican colleagues. Many attributed his win to the fact that no one knew who he was. But the games are far from over. To keep his title... Mike Johnson must avoid being ousted by his own party before the 2024 presidential call. Can he do it? Let's take a closer look at Mike Johnson, the hard right legal warrior 
turned Republican Speaker of the House to gain some insight before going to Deidre D. and Andrew Lee Roberto for some predictions on the upcoming political games as players gear up for the 2024 Presidential Cup. Stance at a glance. New captain of the Republic team, Maga Mike Johnson, is an anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ+, anti-women, an election denier, a science denier, a climate denier, and a young earther, and so much more. Player profile, Maga Mike, Mike Mike, Maga Mike Johnson. Position, right wing forward, second in line for the presidency. Team, Republican Party, drafted, fifth round, signed as an anti-freedom agent in 2016. Birth date, January 30th, 1972. Birthplace, Shreveport, Louisiana, USA. Fan craze. He's known to his fan base as MAGA Mike, a reference to his alignment with Trump's slogan, Make America Great Again. Enjoys a dedicated following amongst religious extremists, far-right conservatives, and former President Trump. Player Overview Republicans' fifth-round pick, MAGA Mike Johnson, is a right-wing backup, known for his extreme conservative plays and offensive tactics. Johnson's journey from being an unknown rookie in the minor leagues to a key player in the MAGA movement is nothing short of grotesque. As a featuring backup, Johnson flew under the radar, struggling to make a name for himself until obscurity paid off in a shocking upset during the speakership match of 2023. Johnson was signed onto the House's Republican roster in 2016 after running unopposed. But as a behind-the-scenes force on the MAGA field, he has abruptly become the leader of the Republican Conference. In fact, he has already claimed the prestigious title of least experienced speaker in 140 years. Wow. Let that sink in. Johnson's unyielding commitment to defiling the Constitution, perverting the vision of our founding fathers, and rescinding rights didn't start with the House, though. His religious and conservative extremism has been a key tactic of his plays since his early days as an anti-freedom lawyer, passionately vying for a religious takeover. Untested, first-time leader Maga Mike Johnson will now lead the charge in promoting extreme religious conservative values and ending the separation of church and state. With him at the helm, Republicans are sure to put up a fierce battle as his team vies to close the government, pass federal abortion bans, deny aid to Ukraine, and gut Social Security and Medicaid. Let's take a look at some extreme highlights to get a clear picture of this recent rookie. Debut! Because nobody knew who he was, his insignificance propelled him to the speakership. Denialist versatility! MAGA Mike hits the trifecta as an election denier, a climate change denier, and a science denier. Election denier! Not known for his aggressive offense or anything else, election denier MAGA Mike Johnson 
was a key player in Donald Trump's efforts to subvert the 2020 election results, even after the January 6th Capitol attack. Aside from failed nominee Jim Jordan, MAGA Mike is closer to the coup than any other player in the congressional field, earning him support and adoration an essential talent scout agency. This bold move paid off when he was signed by the eight and gates to the Republican speakership in October 2023. Climate denier! Maga Mike says fossil fuels have absolutely no impact on climate change. It's no wonder this big Johnson has received big money from big oil and gas interests. In fact, he has received more campaign money from the oil and gas industry than any other. Science denier! Self-identified as a young earther, Mike Johnson believes the world is only 6,000 years old and that humans lived amongst dinosaurs like the Flintstones. (laughs) Absolutely great TV series, but come on. Let's be serious, Mike. No kidding. That is actually no joke. With a background like that, his player stats are sure to impress. Let's take a closer look. Player stats. Abortion opposition. 10 out of 10 with an A-plus rating from Pro-Life America. Conservative voting record. 9.6 out of 10. Voting with Republicans at least 96% of the time and holding a lifetime rating of 92% from the American Conservative Union. Christian values in government. 9.6 out of 10. Again. Receiving a 96% session score from the American Heritage Foundation and wants to remove the so-called separation of church and state. LGBTQ plus rights. Zeros across the board from the human rights campaign. Voting record. 2020 election certification. Nay. Violence Against Women Act reauthorization. Nay, January 6th independent investigation. Nay, stopgap bill to avert government shutdown. Nay, US military assistance for Ukraine. Nay, gun safety laws. Nay, Chips and Science Act. Nay, same-sex marriage. Nay, oh, here we go, finally. Tax cuts for the rich. Yay. Don't say gay. Yay. Prayer in school. Yay. Voter suppression laws. Yay. Interesting voting record right there. And there you have it, folks. Whether defending the four-time indicted former president, Donald Trump, during impeachment trials... Voting to overturn the 2020 election or pushing religious conservative values against women and the LGBTQ plus community, Johnson's versatility on the field is sure to be a hallmark of his career. As for the Republican team, it's clear that the conference is undergoing a transformation with figures like the eight and gate and formerly faceless MAGA Mike at the forefront. The team's performance 
in the upcoming political games will likely be marked by a strong emphasis on religious conservative values, challenges to the status quo, and the breakdown of fundamental democratic principles. In the Republican team's upcoming fight against democracy and functional government, their offensive and defensive strategies are expected to focus on undermining election integrity, implementing restrictive and discriminatory laws, and limiting government involvement, except in the areas that matter, like your bedroom, your doctor's office, your marriage, your religion, your freedom, your own body, and a bunch of other areas in your personal life. Now that we've explored Mike Johnson's player profile and political stats, it's clear that he's a highly conservative and controversial figure within the Major League Republican Conference. His strong alignment with the MAGA movement and unwavering commitment to conservative values make him a formidable player in the political movement. As the newly elected Speaker of the House, he's set to have a significant impact on the direction of the party and the legislative agenda. As the political game heats up, we'll keep a close eye on Mike Johnson and the Republican team's performance on the political field. Now it's time to pass the mic to our analysts, DJ Bay and Andrea Roberta for their expert commentary and insights on what we can expect from the upcoming political matches. Ladies, it's now over to you. Thanks, Sam, great job. That was awesome. Thanks for doing that, Sam. Thanks, guys. Anytime. If, if anyone needs me on any sports shows, I'm available. <laughs> Not that often, but I'm willing to do it for the right price. And it's just something you need to learn over time, I guess. But Yeah, it's just one of those things that comes with doing it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, that was, that was a lot to unpack. Why don't we start with the people who helped get him elected? Mom, what do you have to say about that? Oh, I have a lot to say about that because (laughs) (laughs) um, what this really, or what people were trying to say this turned out to be was like a test of wills between the MAGA hardliners, like Gates and his eight or whatever, and the so-called moderates, if there are any really in the Republican party. But there was 20 or 22, ultimately 22 of them who did not vote for Jordan. And many of them said they weren't voting for Jordan because it was an election denier. And Ken Buck, who's the representative from Colorado, I saw him on at least five interviews, say five different times, that in no uncertain terms would he ever vote for an election denier. And that's why he wasn't voting for Jim Jordan. Yet he freely voted for this guy. So I don't know what kind of principles they think they're holding. But if there was any question on who has the spine in that party, it's certainly not the moderates who caved immediately after the Jordan vote. Yeah, and another thing the moderates said that they wanted was Ukraine aid. And as we learned in Sam's sports announcement, that is something that he need. Yeah, that's a definite name for him. And that was like the only thing for me. I knew that no matter who was going to be speaker, they were going to be terrible and I was going to hate them and they were going to be awful and probably mad. This guy's been called Jim Jordan uh, with a uh, Jim Jordan with a jacket and a smile. 
Yeah, I, that sounds about right to me. And he's not even someone that's going to bring Ukraine aid to the floor. All these divisions still exist. But the fact that November 17th, which is the deadline to which the government was extended to stay open until, is very quickly approaching after this 22-day hissy fit that they took to, in order to get here. So, Mom, what do you have to say about that? Well, honestly, especially now that MAGA Mike is the speaker, I don't know that it really matters because I think they want the government to shut down. So I don't know. I think this is going to be very interesting to see because he'll only have been speaker for about three weeks by the time this deadline hits. And if he can't get this over the line and the government shuts down, I don't know how that reflects well on him or his party at all. And he might have a little bit of grace here because he will only have been in there three weeks and look, I'm going to do all the other stuff you want me to do, but we got it. We have to keep the government open, you know, but I don't know. Like, I don't know how hardcore he is when it comes to that kind of thing, procedural stuff. Like he might not, because those MAGA people wanted to shut down. That's what they were mad about McCarthy for making that deal because they didn't want to, they knew that Democrats were never going to agree with their terms and neither were some, not enough Republicans to ever pass it. So they just wanted it to, shut down so i don't know that this i don't know that this speaker fight well the speaker fight definitely affected how november 17th will be handled by who they picked but now that we know that they picked this guy i don't know that it would have mattered because i think he's probably along the lines of gates and all them who want to shut it down too yeah and if we remember they they ousted mccarthy for voting with Democrats. And as I was doing the research for this episode, one thing that became very clear is that Mike Johnson rarely ever, rarely ever votes for bipartisan legislation. Mind you, he's only been uh, in the House for about six years. He's the least inexperienced speaker of all time. Thanks for giving him that title, Sam. He definitely earned it. Um, so that doesn't, that doesn't make anything easier if they're not willing to work with Democrats on these issues. And I don't know what these people in the Biden districts are doing when they voted for this guy. Are they just hoping their constituents don't hear the quotes that I'll be sharing with you later? Yeah, I think I think it's really incumbent upon Democrats to keep that fresh and constantly remind people of how they voted in this situation. Because I think what they're counting on is that the election is over a year away and by then no one's going to care about the speaker race. Just for reference, I didn't give him the title. He completely, truly earned it. <laughs> no <Yeah>. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you also mentioned bringing Ukraine aid to the floor. And if you recall, that was one of the biggest things for me. I knew I was going to hate whoever it was anyway. But as, at least could it be somebody that would bring Ukraine aid to the floor? That's all I cared about. You know what I mean? I knew the person was going to be terrible no matter what. So can you please just get somebody who will bring Ukraine aid to the floor? Because it'll pass on the floor by a gigantic bipartisan margin. It just wouldn't pass with solely Republican votes. So if he follows the Hastert rule, he will not bring that to the floor. And he's against the Ukraine aid. So I can't, I don't know. I'm just nervous about that because we need to definitely do that. I fully agree with you there, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way we can abandon Ukraine at this point. It's just absurd. Yeah, well said. I couldn't agree with that more. We absolutely need to bring Ukraine aid to the floor. I mean, 
Imagine you were just sitting in your home right now, and all of a sudden, war breaks out on the street, actual war. Your country is invaded by an authoritarian state. And then imagine asking the Western world for help, and they turn their backs, they turn their backs on you. I mean, even if they don't care about the people, because I understand that they, they, they just do not have a humanitarian bone in their body. In what, since when did the Republican Party stop being Russia hawks? Since when did the Republican Party not care about standing up to Putin and, and these crazy leaders across the world? I don't understand where this, where this flip has been happening. I know, and it, it does seem to be pretty sudden. Like, but it, it came with Trump. Because that's who Trump liked. Trump liked Kim Jong-un. Trump liked Xi. Trump liked Putin. You know what I mean? And so they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll just all like them too now. You know? Yeah. Erdogan. I mean, the people he chooses to praise are appalling. Trump seemed to just do everything to get the most viewers anything he could do to get the most viewers the thing too about trump is that he's not okay and in, in when we talk about foreign policy you might hear the term rational actor rational actor doesn't mean you do things that are like smart what we consider a rational actor in foreign policy is is you can expect a state to act and therefore its leader to act in a way that is the best interest of their state, whatever they may think that is, and you can count on them to kind of be consistent. Okay, it's not it's not a judgment, a value judgment about whether or not it's good or bad. It's just like you count on the state to be what the state's going to be. China's going to China's going to be what it's going to be. Like mm -hmm. the US is going to be. We understand this is the way it's going to act. But with Trump on the world stage, he is not a rational actor because what he does is act in his own best interest, which is sometimes in opposition to the country's best interest. But he is not, he, he doesn't care about that at all. And the founding fathers never imagined a situation like this because they expected checks and balances to work. And we didn't expect all these people that are supposed to be able to provide those checks and balances in the, the House and Senate to be so feckless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're absolutely impotent. They just roll over and let him do whatever he wants to do. And then like it. Like, that's the thing that gets me. You know, it's one thing to be like, I don't know, a silent bystander or whatever, which is bad enough. But to then totally jump on board with all this weird shit that he does. Like, it goes against everything they've ever been all the way up till that day. I just don't get it. I they've been using this term rhinos in politics lately. Mom, what's a rhino? A Republican in name only. And who is that supposed to be about? <laughs> How did that like come about? Well, the hardcore hard right Republicans call moderate Republicans, as they exist if there are any, rhinos. But now rhinos are anybody who's not hardcore MAGA Trump 100%. I can't believe that the, the, they are making the rhino 
look like that because the rhino is a majestic animal. They are ruining the term rhino. (laughs) (laughs) So what I've gathered then um, is that, you know, these MAGA extremists are the ones who call what, quote unquote, normal Republicans have always been, right? Correct. Which is absolutely bonkers because we all know, okay, how I feel about Reagan. I'm sorry, the man is my mortal enemy. However, if you want to look at what a Republican kind of is, that's what you would look at, Reagan. And there is in no way that they are a Republican in any sense of the Reagan form. And for them to call, you know, those types of people rhinos is just... It's really, it really speaks to the hijacking of terms in a way. For sure, because you're 100% right. They are the rhinos. They're the ones who are Republicans in name only. They're just using the Republican name to use the Republican Party to be able to be on ballots and get elected and everything. But there's very little about what they do and what they want to do that is Republican, traditionally. In a similar vein, let's return to the lying liars who lied about saying that they wouldn't vote for somebody like Mike Johnson, for somebody that has a background like Mike Johnson. Can you tell us more about that? I know you've got some thoughts. (laughs) I sure do. Okay, as this speaker battle was brewing here, there seemed to be people talking about two sorts of factions that were rising up, and it was the... Matt Gates and his eight blocking everything. And they're the ones, you know, that were responsible for McCarthy and wouldn't let Scalise or Emmer or any of them get in. And then when they put Jim Jordan up, actually people who I guess consider themselves moderate Republicans, whatever that means today, um, said no, and they weren't going to vote for Jim Jordan. Most of them saying it was because he was an election denier. And particularly Ken Buck. Ken Buck is a representative from Colorado. And he I saw him in at least five interviews say that under no circumstances would he vote for an election denier. And that was his one requirement. And him and all the rest of them folded the very next vote. That's the difference. Because they saw something in their self-interest that made them just fold like a cheap suit. Whereas the MAGA ate or nine, or however many of them there are. I mean, there's more than that, obviously, but the loud ones, you know, the ones who really are going to stick up their vote like they did, they weren't budging. And I don't know if it was just fatigue, and they wanted to just get anybody in just to have this race over with or what, but they did not hold strong, and they did not keep to their word. I don't know why I would believe that they would, but I was just like, Ken Buck, even you... (laughs) Yeah, and they could have, he could have afforded to lose four votes. So, you know, to to try and protect some of their people, they could have strategically worked on that a bit more. Yeah, yeah, you think. think. But that just kind of, they're not interested in governing. They're just really interested in burning the entire place down. Like we said before, when we talked about the November 17th deadline coming up, I don't think they want to keep this government open. Sam, what were you going to say? You would hope that they got this guy the vote, got MAGA, MAGA Mark the vote, you know, for the goodness of the country. But you know, realistically, that isn't what they were going for. No. I mean, he's so extreme. You'd have to think that a lot of them are like, no, we don't want the country to go that 
far in that direction. But I don't know. Apparently, they don't care. It's very apparent they don't care. Yeah, and up to a few years ago, people like Mike Johnson were considered fringe extremists. But you can't continue to make that same claim when he's now the highest-ranking Republican official in the entire United States. This man is second in line for the presidency conference versus and the House Republican Conference voted unanimously to select this guy as their leader. So they, nobody can say that they do not identify, associate themselves with these extremist policies and people. Yeah, seriously, let that sink in. Second in line to the presidency. Just think about that. I know, that's crazy. <laughs> and to your point, Mom, when you said... They, they folded like a cheap suit, and they just don't have any backbone. Speaking of suits, like, I just wish we could return to the times when the greatest scandal in politics was the color suit someone was wearing. Okay. Yeah. Obama's tan suit. Obama's tan suit. That was, like, scandal. I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't around for that. Right, that you were not, make but it, let me tell you. I didn't make it across the pond, but that sounds <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, he wore a tan suit in the summer, to a con and they were like... That's so disrespectful. Who would wear a tan suit to a the man's press got conference? Style. The man's I know got style. It, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. It was a way bigger scandal than like other things that happened that you would think should be a big deal. Like I don't know, just January sixth. <laughs> <laughs> just just as a start. You know, that's like the equal. <laughs> You know what? Now that we're back on the January 6th topic, we've heard election denier thrown around quite a few times. But to really drill home what that actually means. Now, I know he was a key architect in the, the plot to try and subvert the election results in 2020. Can you give us some more information on that? Um, Sure. I mean, I don't know if I know exactly everything, but I know he... Uh, wrote a brief and got like a hundred and something Republican uh, amicus brief, yeah, yeah, to go along with him for the Ken Paxton suit in Texas, which was going to nullify the results in five states. I think it was Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I forget the other states, but obviously that was denied by the Supreme Court. <laughs> Because not even they are that crazy. But it just goes to show you where he stands on that kind of thing. Like, he is a complete election denier. Completely. Like, he spouted crazy conspiracy stuff. The, the Sidney Powell Kraken crap. You know, like the voting machines and Cesar Chavez and all that other stuff. Like, crazy, crazy. Right. Yeah, exactly. I do want to challenge you a little bit on one thing you said. You said the Supreme Court's not even that crazy. And I totally understand what you were saying in that moment. But what I would say, too, is maybe, you know how we're, you know, it's been said about Mike Johnson that he's kind of just Jim Jordan with a plate and a smile. I feel mm -hmm. like that's kind of how the Supreme Court is. Like the Supreme Court is massively going like it's going against precedent and is making massive changes in really dramatic ways but i think they're just a little bit smarter than some of the people we're seeing in the regular republican discourse and they choose their cases wisely so that they can achieve the same goals but not look as extreme when they do it 
right? Like functionally, functionally overturning them instead of outright overturning them. But go ahead, please. Yeah. Well, they denied it altogether. So there was no, nothing in the favor of that side in their, about their decision. You know what I mean? Um, but I do agree with you in certain ways, because I think the ways they're terrible are bigger and beyond Donald Trump. And I don't think they give a shit about him, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they're going to roll on his cases, mostly like a normal SCOTUS would, you know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> like there are some things that are just the way they are and, and they would have to totally throw away all that precedent and everything. Not that they are shy about doing that because they did it with Roe, but they can't do it with everything. So they're picking their battles and the battle for Donald Trump is not on their agenda. They don't care. I don't think they voted, they ruled for him ever yet. Right. These are lifetime appointments. It's the it's the <laughs> extremely conservative views that they bring with them, that they're, you know, bringing their value laden principles into our supposed to be objective law. Right. And it gives them the veil of objectivity. You know what I mean? Like when you say they're hardcore and they did this and they did that, they can say, hey, well, we ruled against Trump. We, you know, we ruled against that. We ruled against the, the voting lines or whatever. Like stuff that it's this it's the, it's this lifetime appointment that gets me like what the hell <laughs> yeah but they don't support oh wait i just want to say one thing about the lifetime appointment thing to sam actually the reason why that is was to give them more objectivity because originally the founders were thinking if they had to get elected or they only had x amount of time and they had to be re-nominated or whatever. Or if they were beholden they to would, the president, the nominee yeah, that nominated them. Yeah, they would be beholden to whoever nominated them. So, so to avoid that, that meant you got a lifetime appointment. So now you don't have to be loyal to anybody because no matter what you do, you're there till you die. Yeah, that should make retire. them that should make them impartial. Correct. But it obviously is not having that effect. <laughs> real time all these years later now mm. right and that goes back to what we were saying before about how our founding fathers never imagined a scenario like this in which every you know branch of government would not be vying for power like they they accounted for human nature when they created this exactly right that's exactly what they did like they took into account look you know human nature humans once they have power, they want to use that power and they're not going to be afraid to do so. But the Congress does not use its power to check the president. You know, we see that now with this stuff. And that doesn't mean that you would vote against stuff for the party and stuff like that, but it just means you're not a rubber stamp. Right. And, and they are. Right. Right. And going against, again, the founding principles. I mean, we have just perverted the constitution and the thinking of our fathers. I mean, Nick Johnson, he said out loud like this year that the founding fathers actually created our government structure with quote unquote biblical principles in mind. Like, I'm so sorry, sir. Where did you miss the first amendment when you were learning about the constitution? I know. 
And the only excuse they ever use, and him included, is that the words separation of church and state are not in there. But the whole First Amendment, the First Amendment forbids the establishment of a state religion. So it's obviously not built on biblical policies or biblical principles or whatever he said. You know what I mean? Just the fact that everybody can be whatever religion they want <laughs> means that religion can't be in the laws. And when you talk about, you know, right, banning abortion and stuff like that, that's all religious based. That's why he doesn't want to separate church and state because he knows he can't get anywhere while they're separated. Right. The Constitution, the first one of the Constitution says Congress, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. End quote. Yeah. And also, as somebody who is a is a constitutional scholar, is a lawyer in his background, he has no excuse to not understand that to gain context into exactly what our founding fathers meant, we look at the letters that they wrote to each other and out loud after they crafted the Constitution. Okay? Mm -hmm. And Thomas Jefferson, yes, exactly. Thomas Jefferson wrote, a wall of separation between church and state. That's a direct quote from Thomas Jefferson. Right, because it's obviously what they meant. I mean, they were fleeing that. I wonder if the quote in Thomas Edison by accident, maybe. Um, I think we should go a little bit into the science denying stuff because that's frightening. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. So, obviously, I did the initial spiel about MAGA Mike, and I'm wondering if one of you two could elaborate on what a young earth earther is. I would love to, Sam. Thank you, please. <laughs> Are you ready? Young earthers believe the planet is 6,000 years old and that humans walk the earth at the same time as dinosaurs. Now, obviously the scientific community re rejects that. <laughs> it's creationism. Obviously. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's generally an agreement that the earth is an estimated 4.5 billion years old. And I think pseudoscience is way, way, way too generous a definition to give to creationism because it's no science. It's not even pseudoscience. <laughs> it's zero science, 100% faith, <laughs> zero percent science <laughs> yeah and this man to you know in, in a testament to his beliefs he filed a lawsuit on behalf of the noah's ark theme park um uh, ken ham <laughs> he's another yeah. one <laughs> where is this theme park because it sounds it's in quite... kentucky Quite spectacular. Yeah. And I would really love to go there one day and just laugh my fucking ass off. But, yeah, you know, it yeah, bothers me that I would pay the price now. of admission, though. <laughs> we'll sneak in. I'm sure there's a scalable fence. Oh, you can see, like, exhibits of it online. Like, it has, a like, a person. Like, there's a dinosaur grazing next to them in the fields, and they're just staying there, like, you know. Hey, do you know what uh, what kind of wood they, they use to build Noah's Ark? No, but it says a specific kind of wood in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, it was two by two. <laughs> 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 you better keep my joke in there. 
Yeah, and Ken Ham, who, like we've just described, is the guy that, like, owns and runs this Ark Encounter theme park. Uh, he said, this is a quote, we can say 100% absolutely for sure that people lived with dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I th- well, I, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, I believe Satan planted the fossils to make us think that the world was <laughs> than it is. <laughs> it's absolute craziness. And the Ark Encounter, it's just this like giant Ark. They build it supposedly to the whatever was in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. The, the specifications that were in the Bible because it was like, I don't know, it gave certain measurements in there. Two by two. And it's big. So I don't know what they thought that because it's big, oh, now two of every animal can fit on there? <laughs> no, two of every animal never went on there. Yes, <laughs> it's impossible to build a boat. <laughs> Big enough. <laughs> right. Okay. Like we said, this is he's a young, he is a young creationist. He didn't just support them in that legal battle to try and get tax subsidies and tax tax exemptions for the Ark Encounter as if it were you know the real thing. He has out loud said accounts of origins presented in Genesis one through eleven is a simple but factual presentation of actual events. End quote. I'd I'd love to ask these guys how many rhinos were on the no, on the ark. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Mitch McConnell on the ark. That's just insane. Like, I mean, you know what? Everybody's entitled to their own religious beliefs. You know, like I don't even care that he believes that, but it's crazy that somebody's in power that believes that. Well, I don't care that he believes that. I care that he believes that should be taught in schools and evolution yeah, should not be taught in schools. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some ideologies are just so extreme and crazy that you can't, like, there is no moderate way to look at that. You know what I mean? Like, if you have that belief, you can't possibly rationally look at everything else. In a normal kind of way, and I I think it's that way with, um, like I think there are evangelicals and stuff like that who I disagree with on everything and who have gross stands on everything, but they're not like, they probably understand that the Earth is long, you know, more than six thousand years old, you know, like I don't think most evangelicals are young Earthers. Right, I don't think they are either. That's what I mean. He's like the. If you take all the extreme evangelical, that whole Christian conservative, Christian nationalist wing, and then took the very most extreme of them, he's that. <laughs> exactly. 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 This reminds me of a, a King Henry VIII sort of thing, who just has such radical views compared to every, everyone else during the time. They are They are such an outlier. Yeah, that's the thing. And you know what, Diedrich, sort of reminds me, too, of a little bit of that. What was that organization you worked for or you volunteered with for a while that Jennifer Lawrence did the Represent us. For? Represent us, right. And she did this whole thing on how it doesn't really matter how popular right. um, a policy is or whatever. Like, it's just still only has a 30% chance or whatever the percent chance she said exactly. of ever passing no matter how popular it is, because they have other agendas with their 
donors and this and that, you know what I mean? So exactly. She said that there is no correlation between public opinion of an issue and whether or not it will be passed into law in Congress. So if you have 0% public support for a law, 30% chance it will pass. 100% support from the public, still only a 30% chance that it will pass. Right. And that's what I'm saying too, like kind of relates it to me in this way, that if you're a young earther who believes the planet is 6,000 years old, you have no use for climate change. You have no use for, you know what I mean? So like it, it affects the policy and he doesn't care what the people want because he's such a true believer that he just wants to put forth his agenda, his religious agenda. It doesn't matter what the people want. Like, it doesn't matter that the people are, you know, you know, 90% approval on a universal background check, something like a 78% approval on red flag laws. You know, a lot of gun safety laws are very, very popular, but have zero chance of passing the Congress because of their own beliefs, not because of what their constituents want, because they're obviously not looking at that. Right, exactly. And when we went through Mike Johnson's player profile, sure, we, you know, added some comedic effect, but we didn't make stuff up. Like, when we talked about religious takeover, that should be, you know, like kind of a genuine concern coming from a man who doesn't believe there should be separation of church and state. Returning to Ken Ham, Mike Johnson was on a podcast with him, and on that podcast, Ham blamed the teaching of, quote, atheistic evolution— and, and said that it was corrupting the youth. And then he argued that instead, church leaders and parents need to teach children how to defend the church doctrine through biblical study. And then he said that to teach them all, the, all these things, that's what's been missing from the church. And Mike Johnson said, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So that's insane. I mean, you could only laugh, but it's so not funny. It's terrifying. And that's the issue. Like, you're trying to make a comedic effect out of it, but it is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Right. I said in the end of uh, one of our other podcast episodes, we have to laugh so we don't cry. I mean, it it would be funny if it wasn't so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a young earther that's a speaker of the house. That is insane. Right, that is one, no different than having a flat earther. I was just about to say that. You're one step away from flat earther. Not even. I think they're the same. I think it's just as <laughs> yeah. crazy to think the earth is exceptionally flat. Wow. My favorite thing with the flat earthers, they have this this like quote unquote documentary out and they spent all this like thousands and thousands of dollars on this piece of equipment that was supposed oh, I to go. That. Yeah. And show <laughs> that the earth was actually flat and that there was no curve. And then when their little instrument thing that they spent all this money on came back down and told them that the earth was in fact curved, they said, oh, this must be faulty. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what they said. And it was really an interesting scene, too, because they, they first looked like, oh, my God, like they were just blown away that they were wrong. And then when they could not wrap their heads around the fact that they had been wrong this whole time, they were like, this equipment must be faulty. And I was like, oh my God, you were so close. You were so close to being right there. Like, I thought I was going to see the turn. You know what I mean? Oh, and on the, <laughs> and then they just, uh, Do you remember on the, on the Facebook profile, it said uh, famous around the globe. 
I had, a friend, I had a friend at work just today, and I, I just made a joke saying, oh, the earth's flat, what are you talking about? And he went, Sam, I've spent enough enough, enough time on the ocean. Brother, it's not flat. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, dude, I do not believe that. I promise you I'm just cracking a joke. <laughs> yeah, officially not a young earther. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was funny, Sam. But... It, yeah, again, it just speaks to even when the science is right in front of their face, everything that they need to get to the other side of it, and it's still not enough. And that's the same principle, like you were saying, Mom, with with the young earthers. We have so much evidence to, you know, we have carbon dating, we have a pretty good understanding of how old the world is, and despite all of that, Go ahead. I'm sorry, but now that you're saying that, it's worse. It's worse to be a young earther than a flat earther. You know, like flat earthers, like there isn't a whole, well, I mean, I guess astronomy and stuff, but I mean, like flat earthers, like that was just, of course it's not flat and then move on. But <laughs> young earthers, you know what I mean? There's just mountains and mountains and mountains of specific evidence and whole wings of science like astronomy and astrophysics and all that stuff that totally have yeah. just like it's just impossible impossible that the planet is six thousand years old like that wait. wait there's so much evidence against it i mean i mean the james yeah. wait, do they just not believe in the james hub telescope too because that's going back what is it like we're getting a snapshot of the of the past that we've never been able to see before because of all of the achievements and advancements that science has been able to do and yeah, we got like the residual just, of the big bang yeah yeah but when it's just so simple for them to just go no i deny that like oh my god i know and the and science to be taken right. seriously right and the science denialism goes into, like we said, our policies. And that's really where the problem comes to a head for me. You know what? Absolutely. Whatever you want to believe in, I'm concerned that you can keep your, your values out of it. But whatever. I'm not judging what you're believing in. But mm -hmm. I'm definitely judging you imposing that on other people. And then look at the climate thing. His first bill that he wants to put on the floor as the new Speaker of the House is to undo the minimal amount of climate action that we've taken and slash funding for every single counter climate measure we currently have in place. And he says that it's because climate change is not real. Well, he says climate change is real, but that humans and driving cars and fossil fuels have absolutely no effect and that climate change is just a natural thing that kind of happens over time, which the entire, you know, scientific community minus a very very insignificant extremist portion who are pseudoscientists believe that that's what's happening is he saying this is something that happens over time for instance the ice age which was previous to six thousand years uh, i don't know how to explain that one yeah that's a good that's a really great point sam because how do they explain that? Because they're, they're saying that scientists can see in the ice cores that go back all of this time that this just kind of happens and it's no big deal, which, first of all, 
it's happened at such an accelerant rate. It's nowhere near, like, it's not the same thing. And the particulates yeah. that are in there are different. Like, and we are hitting, like, there are markers when you're going to hit a mass extinction event. For instance, when the dinosaurs died, okay, way before humans, there were markers that were hit. And once you cross these, what they're called planetary boundaries, this is when you get into the territory of some mass extinction event. And we are approaching so close to this, and we are doing absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, we had people like Trump in office who pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. I mean... Yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, I think back about Jimmy Carter. When was that? In the 70s, late 70s, when he was president. And he put um, solar panels on the White House so that it, it could be, you know, use solar energy. And he was big on it way back then. And wow. everybody fucking shit talked him for that you know and as soon as reagan was elected the first thing he did was take them out that's no, just petty and spiteful it. and dumb let's not and let's why you just started <laughs> you know like why would you... <laughs> there we go reagan again <laughs> oh, we're winding her up we're winding her up <laughs> i mean seriously you have no idea the damage that that man did in his two terms he cut taxes on the rich by such an ex it's such an extreme amount i mean by an amount that the united states had ever seen before and we are still paying for that today in, in sociology we study this and we called it was called the age of shared prosperity then reagan came in and you know what we're in now the age of growing inequality because he took every kind of guardrail that was off trickled down okay let me know yeah. when that 260 billion that uh you know, Bezos and Elon Musk are worth trickled down. The tax rates after the war, when Eisenhower, who was a Republican, was yeah. president, um, it was as high as like 92% for the top tax bracket. But of course, that's only 92% of whatever you made over that mm, limit, yeah. whatever it was, you know. And okay, and then after Eisenhower, like later, when JFK was president, he lowered the top tax rate to 70%. And that was actually a pretty good move. Like it did create some jobs and it did do the things that you, that they say it will do now, um, then, but that didn't mean that the lower you make the taxes for the rich, the better it is for everybody. It just meant that it didn't need to be sustainable at 92%, 70% was enough. Yeah. Like the sweet spot is probably around there, you know, but now, <laughs> I mean, Reagan brought down all the way to, I believe, 25%. Holy moly. And then, yeah, he brought it to 50 first and then went to 25. And then when Clinton became president, he brought it back up to like, I think 38. Mm, I believe we're planning. And that's considered high. Yes. Yeah. If I. From 1943 to 1963, okay, the tax rates for the top income bracket were 91% or higher. Mm -hmm. In 1964, this is, you know, like right after the JFK assassination, mm -hmm. it dropped to 77% for the top income bracket. Okay. And then... So Right. And that was closer to the pre-depression rate of 67% because FDR, during the to, to combat the depression, he was the one that brought it up to the 90s to begin with. 
So that they, they brought it down. That was like kind of a, like there to the seventies was kind of a good range for them when they weren't combating the great depression. From 1965 to 1981, the tax rate remained at 70%. But then in 1982, this is now when Reagan's in office, that top tax rate was cut to 50%. And then it was again cut in 1987 to 38.5%. Then again in 88 to 28%. Okay. Oh, 28%. Okay. And then I was going to look You were very close. And then in 92, this is when we have Clinton now, he brought it back up to 39.6%, which is not very high, with Trump having the lowest tax rate for them since. Yeah, he brought it down below that, and so did Bush, right? Like 2000 to 2008, what was it then? I didn't go, I don't know. I, I know Reagan's stats, okay. Right. But I think Bush lowered it, and then Obama raised it back up to the 38 or 39% or whatever it was. But that was, that's what I mean. Like, that became high all of a sudden now. Right. You know, and like, it just changed. Reagan changed the whole way we even think about it. Right. You know? And that policy absolutely exploded the debt and deficit absolutely blew it out the water which is why george hw bush you know had to break his pledge for no new taxes or whatever because it was obscene and then he lost because of it (laughs) it's bill clinton yay (laughs) and then you know clinton put it back up to there but i mean now we think oh now the taxes are high again they're all the way up to almost 40 percent for the highest earners you know meanwhile you know like the conversation should start at 70 and if you get me down to 60 i can live with that (laughs) is the answer 40 right and to just add a couple of stats to this um at least 20 percent of working men and 29 percent of working women earned poverty wages in 2016 um the average compensation of a CEO of a major corporation rose from about 22 times, 22 times what a typical worker made in 1973 to 303 times that in 2014. Yeah, that's just gross. By one calculation, the CEO of Walmart earns as much in two weeks, in two weeks, in 14 days, as an average Walmart employee might earn in a lifetime. Okay. Oh my, wow. We're quote unquote richest country in the world. 90% of the country's wealth is commanded by less than 1% of the population. And just so we're talking about the amount of money that's the, the minimal amount of money that's spread between the rest of us, only 8% of U.S. households, remember that's combined income, so two two incomes typically, only mm-hmm. 8% of U.S. households have a recorded income of $200,000 or more. Now that's a lot of money, $200,000, but it's not billions of dollars, and there are only 8% of people, only 8% of households have that or more. Yeah, that's crazy. And you know those corporations aren't paying the taxes like they should do. Right. Right. 
And some of them, you know, I'm not going to ever sit here and defend any billionaire, to be honest with you, but some of them outright say, I don't even have a problem with paying the taxes. It's not my fault that the laws are set up to not make me pay them. Yeah, and they're right about that. Like, the laws shouldn't be that way. Those loopholes should not exist. Right. But again, all this money in Congress, Mr. Big Johnson getting big money from big oil and gas, then all of a sudden doesn't believe in climate change and doesn't think fossil fuels have anything to do with it. Gee. Yeah. I can't imagine how that happened. Okay. All right. Um, I got a little bit off the rails there. You know what happens to me when you bring up Reagan. But I'm going to move us into our closing new fun, really cool segment. But before I do that, do you two have any closing thoughts on this section for us? Um, actually, I'd just like to reference our senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, <laughs> who we love. <laughs> when he was asked about the election of MAGA Mike Johnson to the speakership, his answer was, well, MAGA loves a big Johnson. <laughs> wow. Andrea, I'll be honest. I have reason to believe that that wasn't John Fetterman, but it was actually one of his body doubles. <laughs> hey, it could be. I hear he has, what are we, up to three of them now? Three I believe doubles? three. Maybe <laughs> that, we might be triples? pushing four. <laughs> body triple? Is that what that is? <laughs> Triplets. <laughs> Okay, to do something a little new this week, I've got some kind of like trivia going on for us, okay? Mom, I said you were going to be in the hot seat. Are you ready? Ooh, I'm ready. My seat is hot. <laughs> hot. Okay, these first couple of questions are just going to be a little warm-up um, to get us going. All right. According to Mike Johnson, what are public schools teaching that he blames for school shootings? Oh, I know that one. Evolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mike Johnson has linked school shootings to the teaching of evolution in public schools, suggesting that it promotes a lack of moral values. Interesting. All right. I thought, I thought the film Evolution was quite good. <laughs> I did too, actually. That was a that really was good, a good one back in the day. Definitely pro-evolution, though. <laughs> yes, correct. Had nothing to do with school shootings. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. This is off topic, but um, on the topic of school shootings really quick, when I first met Sam, uh, he went to go tell me a joke. Sam, you remember what that joke was? So let's let's reenact. Deidre, there's been an incident. Oh, my goodness. It's my, my brother's uh, son's school. Something's happened. Yeah, and then I started freaking out because, I don't know, as an American, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to school shooting. Are they okay? What happened? And then I was like, no, no, no. Whoa, we don't get those in England. <laughs> what I was going to say was there was a kidnapping, but, whoa, you've just blown me out the water right now. I was just going to say there was a kidnapping, but then the, the kid woke up. But I'm bumps. <laughs> DJ didn't uh, find it funny at the time because she was in shock. <laughs> to say the least. Genuinely concerned. Heart rate like through the roof. Um, okay, back into our trivia. Next question. Mom, this Republican legislative effort aims to restrict or limit access to voting, often targeting minority communities. They're voter suppression laws. Correct. Voter suppression laws. Oh, I thought I had that one. I thought it was gerrymandering. 
Well, that's one way. <laughs> there is some Supreme Court cases going on about that. Mom, do you have anything to say about those? Um, no, I don't want to jinx it because so far the court has been ruling in our favor. All right. On that note, we'll, we'll move into our second section of the segment. It's called Who Said It? Nazi Germany or Modern Republicans? Uh-oh, it's going to be really <laughs> tough. <laughs> to make it a little bit easier, I'm going to give you a list of five names, and the quotes will be from one of them. Okay. That list is Mike Johnson, Donald Trump, Warren Boebert, Adolf Hitler, or Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propagandist. Oh. Okay. Uh, well, that guy. I do not like that guy. <laughs> I hope none of us do, but these people might. <laughs> um, okay. Number one. The blank group of people are, quote, responsible for all problems in our society. That's difficult. I mean, that sounds if, very Nazi-ish, so it's yes, probably a I, Republican. <laughs> I'm going to go with Goebbels. Uh throughout throughout history there's been many a quote like that and it is always they are always the bad guy who says it that's what i'm gonna say on it (laughs) well you are right it was definitely the bad guy that one was adolf hitler though i could understand why you might think otherwise considering some of the rhetoric we have been seeing in modern republican politics number two you have undertaken the fight against the atheist movement, and with a few theoretical declarations, we will stamp it out. I'm going to say MAGA Mike. Sam? Hmm. I, think, I think you mean MAGA Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I nearly said Magic Mike, but I don't want to <laughs> degrade the film, so I'm going to go MAGA Mike, and I'm on your side with that one, Andrew. <laughs> That was a really good guess, but that was Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels. Damn. Damn. Wow. It's sad how difficult this is. Yeah. That was my second choice, too. <laughs> they, they, they had a pr- propaganda chief, like, before anyone even thought about propaganda. Right. They are propaganda. Yeah. Created. Next quote. Number three, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Trump. <laughs> Hitler. I mean, it could be Hitler, but I'm saying Trump. Well, that was former President Donald Trump. Hey, <laughs> and point, Hitler also demanded, quote, loyalty and devotion, among, and said this quote many of times. Number four. The more economic difficulties increase, the more immigration will be seen as a burden. Mm. That's interesting. One more time. The more economic difficulties increase, the more immigration will be seen as a burden. Ooh. Is Marjorie Taylor Greene an option by any chance? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Lauren Boebert is, and they hate each other, but they're kind of the same person. I'll go yeah. for Bobert. I don't know. It sounds. It He's sound really good in theaters, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my options are Bobert, Trump, Hitler, Goebbels, and Johnson. Right? 
I don't know this one, but I'm going to say Johnson. That would be Adolf Hitler. Oh, oh boy. Correct. All right. I, do, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> wow. I'm just surprised at how anybody in leadership <laughs> could say anything that could be mistaken for something that Hitler said. Like, it's just stunning. Yeah, we've got politicians taking a page right out of Mein Kampf. Lovely. Next question. Quote, make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. Go, go. I'm going to go Trump. Adolf Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing us, Deja. You're killing us. I just picked the wrong Nazi, but at least I was... (laughs) Okay, next one, number six. God is on our side. The blood has been applied. We are going straight into victory. Maga Mike, Maga Mike, Maga Mike. That does sound like Maga Mike, but it's also, it could be Bobert. I feel like she's there. I don't know if she's a red herring or if she's going to ever say anything that you say. To victory, it almost sounds like like a battle, so. I think you're right, Sam, but I'm going to guess Bobert. Okay. That was a close call, but Mother, you are correct. That was Lauren Bobert. And she Ooh. was speaking about LGBTQ people. Uh, she's so gross. To say the least. Next one. If you come after me, I'm coming for you. Trump. Trump. That was Donald Trump. Okay. Next one. Quote, who says I'm not under the special protection of God? Hmm. Maga Mike. Almost gives the impression that they believe they are above God. I'm no, I think for... she's saying it like, oh, like okay. as if he were answering, you're not under the special protection of God. Who says I'm not under the special protection of God? You know? Andrea has clocked in with Maga Mike. Who are you clocking in with, Sam? Uh, Lauren Bobert. Very good guesses. That was Adolf Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even consider that. (laughs) Next question. Blank is a, quote, dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic. One more time. So the blank is like... The blank is to cover up a factor that would give it away. Right. So if it was the Nazis that said it, it would be Jews. But if it was... Right. If, we're, if it was Trump, it would probably be immigrants. Okay. Gotcha. Um, okay, so now give me the quote again. Now that I know that. Who said blank is a, quote, dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic? Okay. Definitely not Trump. Way too many big words. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely not Berbert. Okay. All right, Sam. So we got those eliminated. <laughs> you do. Um, so that leaves Goebbels, Hitler, and Johnson. I'm going to say Johnson, and I'm going to say he said it about gay people. I'm going to go for Goebbels. Mother, you get it again. That was oh. Mike Johnson. <laughs> to fill in the blank, he said... Homosexual marriage is a dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic. 
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. He also said that doing so would de-emphasize the importance of traditional marriage to society, weaken it, and place our entire democratic system in jeopardy by eroding its foundation. Very interesting take from the man who is eroding the principles of our democracy. Yeah, and his third in line for the presidency. Second in line. Yeah, that's the thing we need to not forget right now. Right, this is not just some whack job. Correct. Podcaster or some idiot in his truck. This is the Speaker of the House. The highest ranking Republican official in the United States. Good God. Unanimously elected by his Republican peers. Okay. Final question for this round. Okay. Who said that a particular group of people are, quote, poisoning the blood of our country? Hitler. Sam? I'm good. I am leaning towards Trump right now. All right. We've got a Trump and we've got a Hitler. And the answer is, you are both correct. Trump was referring to migrants, while Hitler was obviously referring to Jews. Holy heck. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I think when people say that we should be alarmed and that we are marking an, a staggering amount of free fascism indicators that we should be raising five alarm fires. I mean, it is really not a joke. It's not an overdramatic statement. It is exactly what I predicted in fucking, sorry for my language, 2016, when everyone's like, you're being dramatic, it's not gonna get that bad, and look where we are. I know. I was saying the same thing in 2016, especially about Roe. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, I don't care who you like or don't like, because that person could be out in four years. But the people they put on the court, we're going to be there for a generation. Let's we'll with them, yup. All right. Moving into our final round of political trivia, we have a mix and mashup. We Uh-oh. have a mix and mashup. So it's just going to be different kinds of laws, open-ended, true or false, multiple choice, and we'll just go through a few things that we've uh, covered. Okay. Okay. Number one, true or false? Mike Johnson said... That because we have default divorce laws, the sexual revolution, and radical feminism, that it created a completely immoral society. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true also. Correct. That would be true. Not too hard there. Which landmark Supreme Court case did Mike Johnson refer to as a joyous occasion? Dobbs. Correct. The overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. To explain to our listeners there for a second, Mom, what's Dobbs and how does it relate to Roe v. Wade? Because it sounds like that might have been the question Sam had. Correct. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, my answer was going to be Roe v. Wade. And then when you said Dobbs, I was a little confused because obviously I'm not a U.S. national. Yeah. Well, it it's the same thing, really. Dobbs is just the case. It was the Dobbs case that they took to the Supreme Court and used that to overturn Roe. So we refer to Roe as Roe, and that had the laws in it that that has, and now you refer to the Dobbs decision, which gave it back to the states. Okay, understood. Next question. 
What extremist theory or conspiracy theory is Mike Johnson closely aligned with? This is a multiple choice question. A, QAnon. B, the Great Replacement Theory. C, the Moon Landing Hoax. D, 9-11 is an inside job. We only picked one? <laughs> only one. All of, all of the above. Okay, I'm going to say the Great Replacement Theory. Yeah, I, yeah I'm going to go for B also. You are both correct. Mom, what is the Great Replacement Theory? Um, a lot of Christian nationalists believe that white people Christian are Christian nationalists. <laughs> that white people are going to be replaced in the population by people who aren't white or are a mix of things. Which is a perversion of the data. Completely. And... Also, who cares? Right. Right. You know what I mean? They do, obviously. I know. I mean, white people are, I think they're either just lost the majority or going to lose the majority soon, but it's still not. White people have the majority as a white people thing. You know what I mean? But everything else all combined together is about to overcome them. I was going to make a comment about it too, because... I mean, if you want to throw this part to, of it to me, I was just going to make the point that it's also not that white people aren't going to be the majority. White people are still going to be the majority race. The difference is, what it really is saying is that every single other race combined will make up more than 50%. But the vast majority of people by race will still be white. Right. But that's not even, it's worse than that, because that's why I looked it up, because I knew it had more to it. But the Great Replacement Theory, in simple terms, states that welcoming immigration policies, particularly those impacting non-white immigrants, are part of a plot designed to undermine or replace the political power and culture of white people living in Western countries. Oh, and they think that Jewish elites are responsible for the plot. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. It's gross and weird. <laughs> Sounding real Hitlery. Yeah, a little bit. Just you like know, a lot of this section has done. When you know, when I when I was looking up, you know, stuff to make this section, I found this one article and it was like thirteen quotes, you know, who said it, Trump or Hitler. And uh, you know, the answers were at the bottom and I was going through all of them and then I get to the bottom and it said, Um, all of these quotes were Hitler. But if you were considering that there might not be a total difference, that's the problem. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so current. It's almost like fashion, like flares are back in fashion now. Apparently Hitler's back in fashion. <laughs> Democracy's on like a 17, 18 year decline right now. I mean, globally, globally. It's just... You got authoritarian slash fascist leaders rising up all over the place. Italy is not looking hot right now. Uh, hungry, not cool. Not mm -hmm. cool beans over mm -hmm. there. I mean, anyways, here we go. <laughs> Jumping back in. True or false? Mike Johnson opposes Medicare for All, but does support the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. Oh. oh, I'm going to have to say false, but surprise me, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go hopefully, and I'm going to go for true. 
Sam, there is no room for your naivety in politics. Oh. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. No. Uh, Mike Johnson wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act. You know, yeah, that well, thing that gave millions and millions of people across America healthcare. <laughs> yeah, and I remember what you said about him almost never voting for bipartisan legislation, so. Mm. Yep. Although I guess that wasn't technically bipartisan. But... Okay, next question. It's multiple choice. What did former White House official Steve Bannon call for concerning FBI Director Christopher Wray and Dr. Anthony Fauci? A, their resignation, B, their impeachment, or C, their beheading? Their beheading. Yeah, beheading. I remember my girlfriend talking about this quite uh... <laughs> Actually, Sam, good recall memory, but I wasn't talking about them when you were talking oh, about yeah. it. I was talking about how Trump has called for the death, the, the execution, yeah. yes, of General Mark Milley. That was it, yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. True or false? Donald Trump once said, quote, the people who pass the votes decide nothing. The people who count the votes decide everything. I'm going to go with true. Me too. Uh, false. That was Joseph Stalin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Miss, Mr. Stalin, well aligned with Mr. Trump. <laughs> yeah. Not surprising. Okay. Next question. Where did Mike Johnson get his nickname, Maga Mike? Oh, I know this one, so I can't answer. <laughs> Sam, you have a guess? Um, I guess by one of his peers during his support of Trump, but I, I can't elaborate any further, unfortunately. You are correct. That was, way to go, Sam. That was, in fact, the Aiton Gates Talent Agency. Oh, there we go. Okay, last question. True or false? Mike Johnson once tried to pass a bill declaring Louisiana the polar bear capital of the South. True or false? The what capital of the South? The polar bear capital of the South. That seems so false that it has to be true. I will align I will align myself with my future mother in law. <laughs> Good idea, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it is actually false. But I think the point is that you couldn't tell. Right. Correct. All right. Well, that does it for us, folks. <laughs> well, I had fun. Thanks for having me, Deidre. Anytime. Yeah, you guys are both welcome yeah. back. Thank you That's very it. much. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 all right so that has been the deal with the republican conference you can find us on social media at the real deal underscore pod again that's the real deal underscore pod see you next time bye bye, bye. well that was fun yeah that Hell was yeah. fun